Hello, my zebras and spoonies. Thank you for hanging out with me today, and I am glad that you are here. When you have chronic illness, it isn't uncommon to have problems with electrolyte imbalances. Because of that, I have decided to do a series that talks about what they are, how the body uses them, and things that we can do to manage our electrolytes. For the next several weeks, I will make a post aiming for Wednesdays about one of the electrolytes. So hey, let's get into it. Magnesium plays a role in more than 300 of the body's enzyme reactions. It contributes significantly to the health of muscles and nerves and the regulation of blood pressure and the production of energy in the body's cells and the synthesis of DNA and RNA. So it's pretty important to make sure that you're getting enough. Hypermagnesemia, lethargy, drowsiness, hypotension, nausea, vomiting, facial flushing, urinary retention, and ileus may be the initial symptoms observed when magnesium blood levels exceed four or six. If untreated, this condition may progress to flaccid skeletal muscular paralysis and hyporeflexia, bradycardia and bradyarrhythmia, complete heart block, and respiratory depression. However, high magnesium levels is an uncommon laboratory finding and symptomatic high magnesium is even less common. This disorder has a low incidence of occurrence because the kidney is able to eliminate excess magnesium by rapidly reducing its reabsorption to almost negligible amounts. Most cases of high magnesium occur in people who have kidney failure. High magnesium occurs because the process that keeps the levels of magnesium in the body at normal levels doesn't work properly in people with kidney dysfunction and end-stage liver disease. Hypomagnesemia. A doctor will usually consider a diagnosis of, of hypomagnesemia or low magnesium where there are fewer than 1.8 milligrams of magnesium per deciliter of blood. Deficiencies do not always cause problems, but some early symptoms include muscle twitching, numbness, and tingling. If left untreated, low magnesium can cause chronic health problems and decrease the body's levels of calcium and potassium. People with mild low magnesium may have no symptoms, but they can also present with twitching, particularly in the facial muscles, weakness and exhaustion, nausea and vomiting, personality changes, tremor, pronounced reflexes, constipation. And if you get more severe magnesium deficiency, it can cause muscle contractions, seizures, changes in the heart's uh, rhythm. So magnesium supplements. Sometimes magnesium supplements are prescribed for reasons other than having a low magnesium level. Common uses of magnesium include pain management for bone pain, muscle pain, menstrual pain, migraines, and muscle spasms. It can also be used for constipation, for depression, and for high blood pressure. When you're taking a magnesium supplement, it is important to know that you're, or what you are taking the supplement for as it can really affect the way that you want to take it. Not all types of magnesium supplements are absorbed by the body equally, and this changes 
what they are most helpful for. The types of magnesium that have the highest bioavailability are the easiest to absorb and are the best choices for pain management and to increase low magnesium levels. The types of magnesium with low bioavailability are difficult for the body to absorb and are most suited for the purposes of laxatives. Magnesium citrate is the most popular magnesium supplement probably because it is inexpensive and it's easily absorbed. Since citric acid is a mild laxative, magnesium citrate functions as a constipation aid as well as a magnesium source. It is a great choice for individuals with rectal or colon problems, but is unsuitable for those with loose bowel movements. Magnesium tarate. It is the best choice of magnesium supplement for people with cardiovascular issues since it is known to prevent arrhythmias and guard the heart from damage caused by heart attacks. Magnesium tarate is easily absorbed because the magnesium and taurine stabilize cell membranes together and it contains no laxative properties. Magnesium malate is a fantastic choice for people suffering from fatigue since malic acid, a natural fruit acid present in most cells in the body, is a vital component of enzymes that play a key role in ATP synthesis and energy production. Since the ionic bonds of magnesium and malic acid are easily broken, magnesium malate is also highly soluble. Magnesium glyconate Magnesium bound with glycine, a non-essential amino acid, is one of the most bioavailable and absorbable forms of magnesium, and also the least likely to induce diarrhea. It is the safest option for correcting long-term magnesium deficiency. Magnesium chloride. Though magnesium chloride only contains around 12% elemental magnesium, it has an impressive absorption rate and is the best form of magnesium Uh, to take for detoxing the cells and tissues. Moreover, chloride, not to be confused with chlorine, the toxic gas, aids kidney function and can boost a sluggish metabolism. Magnesium carbonate is another popular bioavailable form of magnesium that actually turns into magnesium chloride when it mixes with the hydrochloric acid in our stomachs. It is a good choice for people suffering from indigestion and acid reflux since it contains antacid properties. Magnesium oxide is the most common form of magnesium sold in pharmacies, but it is non-chelated and possesses a poor absorption rate compared to those that are listed above. Magnesium sulfate, also called Epsom salt, is a fantastic constipation aid, but an unsafe source of dietary magnesium since overdosing on it could be pretty easy. Magnesium glutamate and aspartate are really not good forms and really should be just avoided. The glycic acid and the aspartic acid are components of the artificial sweetener aspartame, and both of them become neurotoxic when unbound to other amino acids. Assuming that you are not using the magnesium for constipation, you should not have loose stools when you are taking a magnesium supplement. If this occurs, consider trying a different kind of magnesium supplement. Keep in mind that everybody's body is different and having loose stools with magnesium is indicative that your body is not absorbing the kind of magnesium that you are taking. When we fail to absorb magnesium from our gut, it acts as a laxative because it draws water into the bowel. This is why magnesium citrate and milk of magnesia are such common constipation medications. So you may want to do some trials of different kinds of magnesium to see which is best absorbed by your gut. 
Taking small doses several times a day rather than a single large dose can reduce the laxative effect of taking any kind of magnesium. It can be helpful to either cut your tablets or even get pediatric tablets so that you can really reduce the dose down. You can also get a powder form of the supplement that will give you immense dosing control. This powder can be taken by mixing it into food or fluids. Taking a fiber tablet or powder at the same time that you take the magnesium supplement can reduce the laxative effect as the fiber will absorb the water. However, there are limits to what fiber can do to help with this problem and is more helpful if you're adding it in with other strategies rather than using it alone. Additionally, using fiber does not help your body absorb the magnesium. All the fiber will do is absorb the water that the magnesium is drawing into your gut. This is a great bulking strategy if you're using magnesium as a laxative. Otherwise, fiber isn't very helpful since you will be losing the magnesium through your bowel. Reducing your consumption of sugar, salt, alcohol, coffee, and tea can be helpful, especially within a few hours of taking the magnesium. These substances reduce our ability to absorb magnesium. Review the side effects of your other medications as there might be some that are also causing loose stools uh, that you should avoid taking with the magnesium dosing time. Most people only tolerate taking one kind of magnesium at a time. Additionally, by taking more than one type at a time, if you are having loose stools, it becomes impossible to tell which is not being absorbed properly. It could be both or just one of them that is causing the problem. It may be just that it's too much to be taking them together. There's really no way to tell. It is helpful to titrate up your magnesium dose by starting with a quarter of the dose or smaller and increasing every two or three weeks until reaching the gold dose. Some of the loose stool side effect will abate as your gut becomes accustomed to the magnesium, but it is not likely that this alone will fully resolve the problem. Magnesium and diet. So the recommended amount every day for men is 400 to 420 milligrams a day. And for women, it's 310 to 320 milligrams a day. And most Americans don't come anywhere close to those recommended daily amounts. So how much magnesium is in your food? Okay, so some of the higher foods are pumpkin seed kernels. Uh, in a serving size of an ounce, they have 168 milligrams. Almonds, in an ounce, they have 80 milligrams. Spinach, in a half cup serving, is 78 milligrams. Cashews, in a serving of an ounce, 74 milligrams. Pumpkin seeds, still in the shell, one ounce, 74 milligrams. Peanuts, uh, half a cup, 63 milligrams. Shredded wheat, uh, if you get the serving size of two of the large biscuits is 61 milligrams. Soy milk, either plain or vanilla, uh, one cup is 61 milligrams. Black beans, when they're cooked, uh, half a cup, 60 milligrams. Shelled edamame, half a cup is 50 milligrams. Dark chocolate, the 60 to 69% cocoa. Uh, one ounce is 50 milligrams. So there's not a lot of foods that have a huge amount, but also keep in mind that, you know, 168 milligrams from a serving of, of pumpkin seeds is about half of your daily amount. So you're not looking for really large amounts of magnesium. Um, so your PCP. 
Your primary care provider or your PCP really will be your best ally when managing a supplement. They're going to be the person that will be ordering your monitoring lab work to make sure that your supplementation is meeting your goals. They will also be the ones that will help you make sure that you're taking the right amount of the supplement. Not to mention it is most likely going to be your PCP is helping you manage those underlying conditions that is causing you to have to take the supplement in the first place. It is also possible that your supplements can interact with your medications that you are taking and your PCP and your pharmacist are your best allies for monitoring for these possible interactions. So it is just super important to keep your doctor in the loop whenever you are adding supplements to your life. Well, I hope that you found this uh, installment of our electrolyte series useful, and I hope that you have some information that can help you in the supplementation process and the modification of your diet and can help you in the conversation that you should be having with your PCP. So thank you for coming and hanging out with me today. I hope to see you again, and I hope that you do well until then. And I hope to see you next week when I have my next installment of the Electrolyte series. Thanks again for hanging out with me today.